right, y'all. Um, man, uh, if you have a Bible, I'm going to ask you to open it to uh, James, book of James. That is way in the back of the New Testament. If you're not kind of familiar uh, with the New Testament, you could actually start in Revelation, work your way forward. You'll get to James quicker than if you go the other way. Um, so we're in the book of James, chapter 3 this morning. I'm also going to ask you to grab a bulletin. Um, and so if you grabbed one of these when you came in, uh, that's awesome. So you can use these to take notes. If not, you can use our digital notes by scanning uh, that QR code right there, um, which we'll throw up. I think it's right there, right? Um, it's coming. There we go. Uh, that QR code right there will take you to our digital notes. Um, and, uh, and yeah, those are going to be helpful uh, this morning because we got some extra stuff to write down. So uh, I'm going to pray for our time in God's Word, and then we're going to jump in together. Father, um, thank you so much for loving us and allowing us to gather. Holy Spirit, um, every Sunday we, we take a moment to pause and to ask you specifically to come and fill our pulpit. Holy Spirit, you are the teacher of this church, and we pray this morning that you would exalt Jesus Christ in our midst, that we would see him more clearly than ever before, and that we would understand our deep need for him. Help us leave here this morning understanding why we should be grateful and what a difference it can make in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Uh, well, guys, this morning we're just going to jump right into it. I'm going to tell you, I've got three things that I want to share with you. And, and guys, here, here's the first thing I want you to know as we continue this series on gratitude, uh, that gratitude changes everything. Uh, here's the first thing I want to share with you this morning. I want you to know that gratitude helps us guard our hearts from envy. Okay, gratitude helps us guard our hearts from envy, all right? Uh, worst advice ever given in the world, ever, 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 ever given. Ready? Just follow your heart. Ah! Oh, worst advice ever. Worst advice ever. Because the Bible tells us again and again and again that our hearts are problematic to say the least, right? I, I mean, the prophet Jeremiah proclaimed, Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is more deceitful than anything else. He says it's incurable. Who can understand it? King Solomon, the wisest guy to ever walk the planet. I don't mean like wise guy, like watching the movies, like, hey, you. I mean like the, the wisest man to ever walk the planet next to Jesus, God in the flesh, writes this to his son about the heart, Proverbs 4.23. He says, guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. Right? Jer Jeremiah says, your heart is deceitful above all else. It's beyond cure. Solomon is going, man, you better guard your heart above all else because that's where everything in your life is going to come up out of. Jesus addresses it too. Uh, the Pharisees would get on to Jesus uh, for, for really ridiculous things. In one moment, they said to him, how come you don't make your disciples ceremonially wash their hands like we do? And, and, he's, and he responds with this in Matthew uh, 15, 17 through 19. He says, don't you realize that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is eliminated, but what comes out of the mouth uh, comes from the heart. And this defiles a person. From the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulterers, sexual immoralities, thefts, false testimonies, slander. Jesus is saying, we have a heart problem. So when somebody says to you that you should follow your heart, you should reply to them in love, I don't think so, right? I don't think so. Bible says not a great idea. So our heart is a problem. And guys, one of the things that oozes out of that heart, if we're not practicing gratitude on a regular basis, 
is this thing called envy. Is this thing called envy. And some of you guys are like, Pastor, why are we talking about that in church? I mean, come on, is that really that big of a deal? No, envy's a big deal even in the church, even amongst believers. If you don't believe me, turn with me to the book of James, in James chapter 3. Uh, so James is, is writing largely kind of the Jewish Christians that have been dispersed. James is this real practical book about, hey, what do you do now with life, now that you're a believer? And one of the things that he addresses is the fact that that people in the church were envious of, of, of all the other apostles, of, of the teachers, of the elders. They're like, man, well, we want that. We want people to listen to us. We want them to show up every day and hear what we have to say. We want them to, to write down what we have to say and go and share that with others. They're, they're wanting to be teachers in the church. And James is like, many of you should not want to be teachers. Because teachers are held to a higher standard. And then he goes on and he talks about the danger of the tongue and, and how your, your, your words could be used in wrong ways. And then he writes these words. I'm in James 3. I'm going to start in verse 13 and read through 16. He says, Who among you is wise and understanding? By his good conduct he should show that his works are done and the gentleness that comes from wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart... Don't boast and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there is disorder in every evil practice. Some people were going, hey, we're wise too. We should be able to talk. And he's like, um, no. No. See, envy is a problem even for believers. And, and so we, we need to talk about it even as believers. Now that, that phrase, I'll put um, verse 14 and 15 on the screen. Uh, James writes, But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast and eye the truth. Such wisdom doesn't come down from above, but earthly, unspiritual, demonic. That, that word for envy is the Greek word zealous, right? And you hear our English word zealous in that, don't you? Uh, it, it, it means to, to, be, to be zealous for or, 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 or to desire something specifically that someone else has. They were zealous for someone else's position. They wanted something they didn't have that somebody else had. Guys, that's the heart of the Ten Commandments, right? When God says that we shouldn't covet. Like literally, they're coveting somebody else's position in the church. This is the stuff that Jeremiah... And, and Solomon are talking about, right? Guard your heart above all else, right? It's the wellspring of life. Your heart is deceitful above all else. It's, it's beyond cure. And, and so here's what I want to tell you guys this morning. The best spiritual tool you have in your spiritual tool belt to fight off envy is gratitude. All right? It's gratitude. And I'm going to give you three reasons why. Not in your notes, not on the screen. You've got to write them down, all right? So here we go, three reasons why gratitude is the best spiritual tool we have to fight off that envy, uh, that coveting nature that we all tend to have. Number one, gratitude helps us shift our focus and redirect our thoughts to what we have instead of what we lack. Alright? Gratitude, practicing gratitude helps us uh, reshift and refocus our thoughts to what we have instead of what we lack, all right? The second reason gratitude is the best spiritual tool to fight off envy is because gratitude diminishes the power of comparison. 
All right? Gratitude diminishes the power of comparison. Anybody struggle with that? Let me ask again. How many of you are on social media? Different question. Come on. That's all that's on social media? I'm, listen, I'm so, I follow some of you on social media. You are lying through your teeth. What is social media about? Comparison. Man, look at them. Look at all the fun they had. Look at their family, man. They look so well put together. Why? Nope, we got to take that picture again. Why do we have to take the picture again? Well, I, well, we don't look good enough. Take another picture. Smile. Kids, I said smile. Act like you love one another. How many parents have ever said that when taking a picture? Right? Comparison, buddy. I mean, it's almost Christmas card season, right? We're about to send those bad boys out. That's the old school of social media, right? Here's our family. We're perfect and awesome. Right? Some of us are so good, we send it with a letter. Here's all the awesome things we did this year. Ha <laughs> ha! You stink! Right? So then we write our own letter. No, we don't. We're awesome too. Look at us. We're smiling and we got a puppy in the picture. Take that! Right? Yeah! Then we start talking about our grandkids. Well, well, not only that, but our grandkids are doing well too and they're making lots of money. Right? And then it's just... Oh, envy. So guys, one of the things that gratitude does, listen to me, it diminishes the power of comparison by highlighting and appreciating what God has given us. Alright? It's huge. So that's the second thing gratitude does. That's why it's the second, it's the most powerful tool in our spiritual toolbox. Here's the third thing it does, and and man, this is key, y'all. Gratitude promotes positive emotions. It promotes positive emotions like joy and happiness and love and hope and satisfaction. And those positive emotions, right, like joy and happiness and love and hope and satisfaction, those positive emotions that gratitude provides, they serve as an anti-venom to the toxic feelings that come with envy. Whew. Jealousy and pride and anger and gratitude's like it's like an injection of anti-venom to that. And it says, No, God is good. He has given me more than I need. Right? Alright. So that's where we begin this morning. I want you to know that gratitude helps us guard our hearts from envy. Uh, second thing I want you to know is, is that because of that, uh, gratitude brings contentment. Okay, because of the first point, we have the second. Okay? Because gratitude helps us guard our hearts, it ultimately brings us contentment. When we stop comparing ourselves and and we start focusing on what God has given to us, um, when we replace all those toxic emotions that that, that are there with envy and coveting and we replace them with, with joy and happiness and love and hope and satisfaction, we begin, we begin to find that we're okay with what we have. And what God has given us in the right here and the right now. And y'all, that is called contentment. And it is a powerful, powerful thing. I want you to listen. Um, Paul writes a couple letters to a guy named Timothy. Now, Timothy, uh, Paul thinks of as a spiritual son. Now, what that means, y'all, the Bible says that we're all called to disciple people. 
Uh, that means that we take somebody that doesn't know as much about Jesus as we do, and, and, and we help teach them everything that we know about Christ. And Timothy is just one of the guys that Paul has chosen to disciple. Uh, he, he's like, hey, Timothy, I want, I want you to be everything you can be for the Lord. And so we actually have a couple of the letters that Paul wrote Timothy. And, and, and the first letter that he writes Timothy, he ends with kind of a warning about envy. Okay? It's, it's a big deal. Remember, some of the early churches struggled with envy. Okay? Some of the apostles, by the way, struggled with envying one another's ministries. Pastors today struggle with envying other people's situations. Okay? And, and so this is practical, practical stuff. But he's writing Timothy. Here's the warning. 1 Timothy uh, 6, 6 through 10. It's going to take two slides, but this is what it says. It says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Right? Godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out. If we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But listen, here's the warning, but those who want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap, and many foolish and harmful desires, which, let's go to that next one, plunge people into ruin and destruction. Right? Hear, hear, hear that. He's saying discontentment, can lead to utter destruction. Not, not just that it can make you a little emotionally upset, it can destroy your life. Y'all, comparison, not being content with what the Lord has given you, can ruin your life. It can plunge people into ruin and destruction, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many grief. I heard that. Amen. Beep. It's good. It's good. It's a warning. It's a warning. Discontentment can lead to destruction. And so we've got to take all those thoughts of discontentment. We've got to take all those toxic emotions. We've got to replace them instead with the truth that God is good. How many of you were here last Sunday? You've heard this statement a few times. We're going to replace those toxic thoughts and those dis that discontentment with this truth that God is good and His faithful love endures forever. See, you remember, that's good. And His faithful love endures forever. Right? Last week we talked about the faithful love of God. Man, anytime we start thinking that God has shorted us, that we are not doing okay, that God is holding out on us, which was a, the first great lie ever believed by mankind, that God was holding out on us, right? Anytime we start thinking that God is holding out on us, we just have to remember how faithful God is and how unfaithful we've been. God is so faithful despite, like this is love. Right? Not that we love God, but that He loved us. Right? That He pursued us. Christ died for us while we were still sinners, the Bible says. But we were still in the midst of our unfaithfulness, God sent His one and only Son to live the life that we couldn't, to die the death that we deserved. And this Jesus did it will, willingly. Right? But He didn't just do it. He, he didn't just die in our place, and He conquered that death. Then He rose again on the third day, and He ascended into heaven and said, Hey, I'm doing this for your benefit, because better than me being with you is my Spirit living in you. I'm going to empower you, and I'm going to teach you these things on the inside of your being so that you can stand firm when life gets hard. And when that happens, y'all, then we can get to this point 
that no matter what life throws our way, we can rest and go, no, God is good. And he has been so faithful to me that it does not matter what I may have or what I may lack. He is, he is more than enough. That's, by the way, the place that the Apostle Paul gets to. I'm looking at my students. Some of you are going to put this verse on your letter jacket at some point. Just put it there, but just do it contextually. Uh, Philippians, here we go. 4, 11 through 13. Paul says, I don't say this out of need. I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know how to make do with a little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. That's what that verse means. It doesn't mean that I can do everything just because of Jesus, that I can run faster and jump higher and score a better grade on my SATs, that I can pay off my taxes and all of my debt, and it won't hurt, and it's going to be fine. And like, That verse ne- doesn't mean easy at all. That verse means it doesn't matter how hard life is. Jesus is enough. That's what that verse means. I can do all things. Man, I can have abundance and be good. And I can have nothing and be good because Jesus and His Hesed love for me. He has pursued me despite the fact that I'm Gomer in the story and I am unfaithful and yet He continues to love me and that is more than enough. Right? And so listen, practicing this gratitude thing, it helps us guard our hearts from being envious and coveting what others have. That, that leads us to contentment. And only when we get to contentment can we begin to do this last point, which is huge. It's what we should all be doing. Uh, it's that gratitude helps us enjoy the present instead of focusing on the past or worrying about the future. Whew. Gratitude helps us enjoy the present instead of focusing on the past or worrying about the future. In Jesus' public ministry, he used two words. He used two words to lay uh, claim to the fact that he was not only the Messiah uh, there in their midst, but also that he was God in the flesh. Two words. I am. That's it. Two words made up of three letters. I am. Jesus uses them on seven occasions. He says, I am the bread of life. He says, I am the light of the world. He says, I am the gate for the sheep. He says, I am the good shepherd. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, I am the true vine. And and those three letters, those two words, are all in reference to what God tells Moses. See, See, God... Here's the cries of his chosen people, Israel, in Egypt as they're enslaved. And he's going to send a deliverer. Now that deliverer is meant to paint a picture of what Jesus is going to do for all of us. He's our ultimate deliverer. So he finds this man named Moses. And Moses was raised in Pharaoh's palace, but he was a Jew, saved miraculously uh, out of the Nile, right? All babies are supposed to be killed, again pointing to what happens with Jesus. And, 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 and so he, he calls Moses from this burning bush, and he says, hey Moses, you're going to go do something for me. And Moses is like, I'm not so great. And God's like, I know, I made you, but you're going to do it anyway. And he says, I, you're going to go to Pharaoh, and you're going to tell him to let my people go, but first you've got to go to my people, and you've got to tell them that you're going to be their deliverer. And Moses is like, I don't know, they don't really like me. He's like, I I don't know, God, I'm not such a great talker. And God's like, 
no, you're going to go. And he's like, well, okay, but if I go, God, what do I do, God, if they say, well, well, what's the name of the God who sent you? How do I know it's the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob? That should have been enough. Goes, but what do I tell them if they ask your name? And God says, you tell them I am who I am. That's it. God says, you tell them it's me. And they better get right or they're going to get left. I am is going to deliver you. It says, I am. And so y'all, for many of you have probably heard this statement before. There's, there's a whole bunch of people in the world. Sometimes we just want to smack them, but it's okay. We're not, you know, they, the Bible says be angry and don't sin, so I don't, I'm not going to smack them. But there's some people that say, well, Jesus never claimed to be God. Well, you haven't read your Bible. Or you've read it and you don't know what it means. Because Jesus on seven occasions stood up and said, I am. I am. That's who I am. You, you want to know who I am? I am. I'm the resurrection and the life. I am. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I am. I am the good shepherd. I am. I am the gate. I am. Over and over and over. He's going, I'm God and I'm here. Right? So the first part of it, he's claiming his deity. But the second part even has a lot more to do with our study on gratitude. Because Jesus shows up, and not only is he saying, I'm God, Jesus shows up and he is saying, I am here. I am here. You see, the Jews really had two problems. It's the same two problems that we have, y'all. Problem number one, they like to live in the past. Come on. Let me talk to the adults for a second. How many of you think that high school or college, well, those were the days... You catch yourself wondering, right? I mean, you think back, don't act like you don't. You're human. We think back to times when we could run fast, jump high, and everybody thought we were awesome. Think about some party we went to, man, I remember those days. Think about some car we had before we had kids and had to pay insurance, right? Our parents paid back then. It's great. Drove fast cards, broke laws, didn't care, didn't have to pay for much. It was all cheaper then, Okay. Right? We have a tendency to look back. We, we don't just have a tendency to look back at those things. We have a tendency spiritually to look back too. Sometimes we look back to times when God was with us. That's, well, that was the Jews' number one problem. Everything that they did, y'all, all the feasts, all the festivals, I, I, I mean, even the temple itself, everything was looking back. Everything was remembering a time when it was better. A time when God was, was there. A time when God moved in power. They spent their whole life looking back, and Jesus is standing in front of them going, I am here! And they're going, but do you remember back then when it used to be like... Whew. But they didn't just have a problem looking back, they also had a problem because they were constantly looking ahead. They were looking to a time when the Messiah would come. The problem is, y'all, that their vision for the future was filled with envy. Their vision of the future, what they looked forward to, was a time when they would have power again. A time when their nation would be restored. A time when they would be thought highly of. And Jesus, that promised Messiah, stands in their midst. And He says over and over and over again, I'm right here. Hey, it's me. It's me. I'm right here. You just have to believe in me. 
You believe in me? Anyone who calls on my name will be saved. Man, any of you who are weary and heavy laden, you come to me and I'm going to give you rest. I am right here. And they missed him. I don't know if you live your life thinking about the glory days or you live your life focusing on what you think will be the golden years. But there is only one period in time in which you can have any influence or make a difference, and that is the present. And that is exactly where God wants you to live. He wants you to live in the present, not for the present. Difference. He wants you to live in the presence, making a difference for the kingdom which will come in its fullness in the future. So what do we do with all that? <laughs> How do we wrap all that up? This thought that gratitude helps us enjoy the present instead of focusing on past or worrying about the future. I'm going to give you three things, and these are long, y'all, this week. These are long, but here they are. I, I think there's three things I want to challenge you to do, and so this is why we give you notes. I want you to work through these things this week. I, I pray you go back. I know it's Thanksgiving. You're like, but I got things to cook. and I Awesome, start your day here. Three things I want you to work on this week before you get into all the prep and all the other crazy stuff. Number one, uh, I want you to examine your heart for any envy or discontent. I want you to examine your heart. God, am I envying anybody anywhere? And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to love you enough to say, if you're spending any time on social media, I guarantee you are. It's 100%. It's going to happen. You, you catch yourself looking at somebody else's ride. It's envy. Right? Somebody else's person, envy. Somebody else's situation, envy. Somebody else's bank account, envy. Examine your heart, any envy, discontent. Right? Then confess those attitudes to God. Okay, and here's, here's, here's the part I really want you to focus in on. You've got to do those first two, but here's the third. Then work on cutting out any habit that is leading you to comparison. Because if you don't cut it out, it's going to come back. So what is the thing that causes you to keep comparing yourself to somebody else? If that's social media, you need to take a break. I love you. It's, it's like anything else. Guys, if you find yourself drinking too much, you better take a break, because that's sin, right? Bible says that you may drink, you cannot get drunk. You find yourself crossing any lines, that is a sign to you, you must stop. Until you get things under control, there is something wrong, and you're turning to the wrong place. Y'all, when you spend hours on that tiny computer in your hand, you are turning to the wrong place. That is not enjoying the present, that is tuning out your family. That is, that is tuning out your hardship. Maybe you're like, well, but, it, but it's not in a glass or in a bottle. Okay, it's the same thing. So you've got to figure out, God, what is causing discontentment? Well, you've got to confess it, and then you've got to work on cutting out those habits that are leading you to comparison. Number two, here's the practice this week. You've got a grand opportunity. Parents, your kids are off of school. You have a grand opportunity. Ready? Practice being fully present each day. Practice it. Mom, 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 mom. It's coming. 
You just be teacher, 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 teacher. Sounds like an alarm, doesn't it? It does. And so you smile and laugh when your kid does it, and you have fun, and you go, what, 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 what? And be present in the moment, and let them laugh with you, and dance with them, and man, just don't miss it. If you get so caught up in having 52 pies for dessert and making sure that everything is stuffed the right way and that all the sides are smoking hot, it's going to go, like in my house, it has gone in nine and a half minutes, including dessert. That's from the prayer to the back of the line, moving through, getting everything on their plate, and devouring it all nine and a half minutes, three days of prep. Bam. If you miss the moments of your children being in the house to make nine and a half minutes Instagrammable, you're lost. You've lost it. Enjoy the present, right? Practice being fully present each day. Instead of dwelling on the past or worrying about the future, intentionally enjoy the moment you're in. Now, that includes the hard moments, okay? Um, How many of you parents, well, you don't have to confess it. I'm just going to look at you. I know some of you right now aren't sleeping great, right? We had a moment, Connor, uh, love him. He's not here. He's got a show this afternoon. Uh, Last night was good. Um, He's doing it again this afternoon. Uh, That dude, uh, we didn't sleep for, I want to say, I want to say it was like 14 and a half months. We didn't sleep through the night. 14 and a half months. Multiple times a night. Like, we hated each other. Hope and I. I, I'm serious. Like, we we were in covenantal marriage, weren't going to walk out, but we just looked at each other like, oh, it's your turn. Like, every night, right? Oh, not nice people. Some of you were there. And you know what I'd almost do anything for? I just miss those days. And they were so much more simple, right? Don't miss those moments. Enjoy them. Sleep deprived, enjoy it. Like say something to one another. Encourage one another. Hey, we get this. Aren't you glad God has given us this gift? Right? And then Lord, please help them sleep. And if you don't, I'll continue to enjoy this moment. Thank you for this present. Lastly, guys, I want you to continue to take time each day to write down specific things you're thankful for and praise God. Um, Getting testimonies about these things. By the way, if you don't have one, they're on the tables on your way out. Uh, They're free, just gratitude journals. I want you to write down 10 things a day. I want you to do it three times a day, not 30 things, 10 things whole day. But write three, three times a day, one to three things morning, one to three things lunchtime, one to three things evening. After you write them down, talk to God about them. Tell Him to thank you for them, even the hard stuff. And it matters. It'll change your heart. It'll guard your heart when you're grateful for the things that you have, okay? Can I pray for you this morning? Father, thanks for loving us and thanks for allowing us to talk about uh, this gift called gratitude. Lord, I pray um, that you would help us because, God, we need it. Help us guide us. Help us be these kind of people. Help us guard our hearts from the envy that we all struggle with. Please, Jesus, we ask that in your holy, powerful, and precious name. Amen.